Welcome to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. In this program, we want to encourage you in your Christian faith by showing how scientific evidence supports the Bible, particularly the Genesis account. The book of Genesis lays the foundation for all matters addressed in the rest of the Bible. The nature of God, His sovereignty in creation, man's purpose, sin, marriage, family, and why we need a Savior are all introduced and explained in Genesis. When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired Word all the way to Revelation. On today's show, Dr. Henry Morris III, CEO of the Institute for Creation Research, will begin a 10-part series on the six days of creation. Here's Dr. Morris. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Surely you will have heard that verse or probably even memorized it. It's the very first verse in the scripture that God revealed to us at the beginning. Now, everybody believes in something whether secular, humanist, atheist, Muslim, or other adherent. Everybody, all men and women, have faith in something, some source that expresses their beliefs about who they are and why they're here. The book of Genesis, of course, is the source for the Christian belief system. It's the foundational beginnings of everything that God has undertaken on behalf of humanity. For that reason, a correct understanding of Genesis really is essential for correct understanding of our identity, our responsibility, and even our future. Genesis presents an all-powerful and all-knowing creator, transcendent to the universe, the first cause who spoke all things into existence. Now, some Christian leaders and teachers, however, would not agree that God created the universe out of nothing during the creation event. Others have suggested that God was merely involved in the background or somehow operated through natural forces to eventually produce the organized and functioning structure of nature. The biblical text, however, is consistent in this record that there were omnipotent and omniscient acts of creation. Scriptures also agree that during the creation week, God made and shaped that which he had created into an organized and functioning cosmos which he called very good. Those who reject the first verse of Genesis, who deny that God created anything at all, have by every means possible sought to disprove this fact. Darwinian evolution has had as its chief presupposition a disbelief in God and in creation. The very idea of an omnipotent, omniscient, supreme being is anathema to naturalistic concepts of existence. Interestingly, the academic world has begun to entertain sort of spiritual interpretations of naturalistic science as the evidence for complexity and design grows more and more obvious, yet more and more academics still cling to evolutionary cosmologies because they cannot accept an omnipotent and omniscient creator. Handling the actual text of Scripture, then, becomes fundamentally important. Should we believe in a literal creation? Are the written words of the book of Genesis to be treated as historical fact? What does it have to say about what and how God created? Now, of course, that opening verse has more to it than just that first sentence. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Reading Genesis 1 is not difficult to understand— 
God created the world and all of its contents in six 24-hour days. Its grammatical structure clearly falls within the narrative genre. In other words, it's a historical account. When God himself refers to this creation event in Exodus 20.11, that's right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, he insists that Genesis 1 is to be taken as the prototype for a six-day work week. There's no ambiguity. Only those who do not want to accept Genesis as real history refuse to do so. Now, there are three important verbs, action terms, that Genesis used in the Hebrew language. It's helpful to understand the creation effect. The Hebrew word bara means to create or shape or fashion. It's used only when God creates the heavens out of nothing. Asa means to do or fashion or accomplish or to make. It's used when God constructs something, like stars, out of something he uh, previously created. And then the final verb, yatsar, means to form or fashion or shape or sculpt it. Sometimes a hands-on involvement and the used to describe forming the beast and the birds out of the ground and man out of the dust. People can make or fashion things, but only God can create. He created ex nihilo, the Latin says, out of nothing. Everything that currently exists, Genesis 1, 1 establishes the triune nature of the universe. In the beginning, time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. The earth is described as without form and void, and proponents of the gap theory usually translate those words as ruined and desolate as though some cataclysmic event had happened after the initial creation. But the more straightforward reading of the text is that God created the heavens and the earth in their basic elemental components, and these were without form and empty, waiting to be developed by God. We're going to take a short break. Dr. Morris will have more on this important topic in a moment. Dinosaurs are fascinating creatures. Seeing their fossils inspires a sense of awe and wonder that sparks the imagination. We're learning more about them all the time, but many questions still remain. Are dinosaurs really millions of years old? Did they live at the same time as humans? How do they fit with the Bible? And why are they extinct today? The Institute for Creation Research addresses these questions and more in their full-color and easy-to-read book, Guide to Dinosaurs. Guide to Dinosaurs delves into the history of dinosaurs, fossil discoveries, dinosaur kinds, and what the Bible has to say about these mysterious creatures. It serves as a helpful resource for parents and kids alike. Order your copy of Guide to Dinosaurs from the Institute for Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. That's 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. Welcome back to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Morris. You remember we were talking about three of the key verbs, the action terms that God uses in the introductory chapter. He creates something out of nothing where nothing existed before. And then he takes some of that created material and makes and shapes it or constructs it like an engineer would. And then finally, a very personal involvement where he would sculpt or shape an individual animal or person. God's next step, of course, was to start the processes that make the universe function energy and gravity, etc. The text states that the third person of the triune Godhead, the Holy Spirit, was 
hovering over the waters, a word that can easily be understood as vibrating or fluttering. The work of the Holy Spirit on creation of day one was to energize the earth in order to prepare it for the rest of the creation events. Here's the scripture quotation. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Well, that's not complex grammar. It's pretty simple to understand. The biblical record indicates that God separated the light from the darkness. The most likely indication here is that the earth of day one was shaped into a sphere, a three-dimensional ball, by the Holy Spirit energizing it. The words that follow confirm this fact. God concludes day one with the evening and the morning were the first day. A definite system of time had been developed, a dark light cycle, which man observes today as the rotation of the earth, allowing the light during the morning and the darkness during the evening. It's worth noting that at the very beginning, God used a specific linguistic structure to define what he was doing. There was a light portion, which God named day, and a dark portion, which God named night. This sequence of evening and morning was specifically called the first day. That same linguistic formula is repeated throughout the following sequence of day-night cycles, reinforcing both the specificity of the phenomena and the motion regularity of the process as literal 24-hour days. Now, as would be expected in any product by an intelligent being, the product, in this case the universe itself, would give some insight into the nature of the originator. Every time an artist paints a painting or a sculptor makes a figurine, there is a process of uh, pushing into the thing that he or she is making that gives us some clue as to what the artist is like. Just so, this original artist, the creator God, with all power and all knowledge, began to make and to shape that which he had created that gives us some insight into who he is. The concept of the biblical trinity is difficult to understand, but according to the Bible, God imprinted something about himself and the things that he made so that all humanity would be able to clearly see his invisible attributes, even his eternal power and his Godhead. Now, a triad, like an egg or a triangle, really is separable, but a trinity is not something you can pull apart. A trinity, although composed of three different things, cannot be separated or disconnected in any way from each piece of the whole. Thus, the more precise illustration of God's triune nature is the universe that God himself created. It is a universe, one thing containing separately definable and distinguishable entities, space, matter, time, that cannot be taken apart. Space itself is a trinity. We conceive of it as height and depth and length, but we cannot capture it or eliminate it in any way. Space is not nothing, but we are unable to discover fully what it is. Space exists in all things, and all things have their existence in space. Nothing exists outside of space, except the Creator Himself, and that which is created to transcend the creation by the Creator's design. In Genesis 1.1, the Hebrew for God is Elohim, a plural noun, normally represented by a singular pronoun, He. This is the first foreshadowing of the marvelous doctrine of the Trinity, only one Creator God, yet 
functioning as three divine persons. God is like, well, space, in that God the Father is the space of the universe, the source and background of all things. God the Son is like the matter, the mass energy of the universe, the visible one and revealer of the Godhead. God the Spirit is like the time of the universe, the one who makes it possible to experience the work and will of God. The Father planned the work of creation, the Son did the work, and the Spirit energized it. The triune God created and now sustains our tri-universe. Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, DVD series, and conferences. Please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries, to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional, and to locate our next creation conference at a venue near you. All of this and more at icr.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to Science, Scripture, and Salvation on iTunes. Also, do us a favor and rate and review the show so that more listeners can find us. Thanks for listening, and God bless.